Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? Mr. Castor. I'm, uh, I'm okay. Glad to be recording on the podcast with you as usual. And uh, I'm ready to, uh, I think this is a, a pro uh, football podcast. I, I don't, I mean, two different kinds, but we're going to be talking about both kinds of football. So I'm uh I'm very excited because I think there are uh, there are a lot of thoughts that I have, uh, especially pertaining to to one particular event, who which we will uh, we will get to shortly. One three letter acronym that we'll uh, we'll be mentioning later. Anyway, yeah, I, I, how long have you been waiting to uh, make that one that joke about uh, the foot about pro football pro football talk? Uh, about fourteen up fifteen and a half seconds just came up down on the fly. Because yep. I am uh, radio I'm a radio, I'm a radio professional. It's just what I do. Oh man, sometimes I really wish we had like a video component to this, just so you can see <laughs> see our reactions to the stuff that's happening. But I, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm just that good. I'm just I'm that good at what I do. And then you and then you add the the alcohol consumption that is also going on during this podcast. It it, it really it really is just a grand old time. Yep, it definitely is. So on that subject of football, football. We're going to be starting off our news and notes segment with Europe, all over Europe. We're taking a tour, starting off in Italy, the Coppa Italia final between Napoli and Juventus. Very, very interesting game. Juventus was not looking too on form when uh, they basically won their semifinal against AC Milan without even trying because they already had the... uh, away goal advantage and it was just don't a no draw don't remind me ronaldo missed a penalty when i bet on them i mean i mean go figure go figure he's so good at those except for that fucking one fucking ronaldo i know joke joke anyway so uh what are your thoughts on the copa italia final oh fours on napoli it was uh wonderful to see uh the the team from my home region be uh be able to lift their first uh their first domestic trophy since 2014. Um, very boring match. Very, 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 very boring. Uh, ended up going to penalties in which Napoli won four to two. Um, yeah, good for good for uh, good for Napoli. I mean, it's a shame that uh, that two former uh, Arsenal players, Aaron Ramsey and Wojciech Chesney, could uh, could not get a a winner's medal for uh, the Coppa Italia, but. Uh, it was a bad. It was a bad day for anything involving uh, that football club. So, uh, yeah. But uh, but congrats to uh, to Napoli for uh, winning the uh, the Coppa Italia. But that was the uh, that's probably the 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 the, hmm, the least controversial thing of the day because we are uh, we're just we're just getting ready. We're getting ready. We're building we're building up the heat because we're gonna get to talking about the our fantasy football hot takes for twenty twenty. And that's when the real heat is going to start coming out, but that in a different way because we have we're around two segments away from maybe getting a little bit chippy, a little bit, little little chippy. Oh boy, I just just this is going to be this is the difference between an hour long podcast and an hour and a half long podcast. That's where we're right now. So yeah, probably yeah. 
actually, I don't think Aaron Ramsey would have even gotten a medal because he wasn't in the squad at all. True, true, true. Chesney was. So well, Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey's injured. So all, all Aaron Ramsey had to do was um, was play in the Coppa Italia, and he he would have gotten the winner's medal. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, but, he would have uh, gotten one. But that's so interesting. When uh, I get, I want to start with the going to England. I want to start with the uh, game between Villa and Sheffield United. But I just want to say, as a side note, when I was looking at the team sheets for the game between our two favorite teams, there were some very notable players that a weren't in the starting eleven. Oh, we'll get to that. And b just weren't in the squad. Period. Oh, we'll get to that. So. Uh, I have my thoughts. Anyway, starting off, we're going to go with uh, Villa and Sheffield United. Sheffield mm-hmm. United just cannot catch a break. They were relegated in Ugh. 2007 due to Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascherano being illegitimately transferred to West Ham, and now they got screwed out of a goal against Aston Villa. I mean, thankfully, Sheffield United are so far away from relegation that it's not even funny, but still... I mean, you don't want to see something like this. Something that is an obvious goal, something I'm pretty sure happened to me last night when I was playing FIFA, where uh, a defender knocked the goalkeeper into his own net. And I was like, is that going to count as a goal? And then they counted it as an own goal towards the goalkeeper. And it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing that happened. And frankly, the fact that uh, the Premier League they came out with, and the uh, EFL or the FA, I guess they came out with an apology saying that, oh, well, our cameras didn't catch it because they, uh, the defenders and the goalkeeper obscured the view. So they weren't able to catch it. And the referee uh, wasn't able to call to VAR because he wasn't told in the first place to get called to call to VAR, which is just like the dumbest excuse I've ever see, heard in my entire life. And Hawkeye also apologized to the independent tech company that runs the entire uh, VAR system. Had to come out and apologize too because they were they were getting ripped to pieces. Well, I mean, apologies are all well and good, but right, right. If Sheffield United don't make either the Europa League or the Champions League, then they're gonna be like, well, you know, we gotta got screwed it, screwed out of three points here, two points. Or two points, two points, yeah. two points are going to put us in the Europa League or the Champions League that we did not get because of VAR. Yeah, yep. yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, anybody who's been listening to this podcast long enough knows that I am uh, the biggest anti-VAR guy that you are ever going to get, and this is just another example of VAR being a, a complete joke. Um, how is it that the television cameras? are able to see that the ball is clearly across the line and in the back of the net, but VAR does not, is not able to register that at all. It makes absolutely no sense to me how that happens. I understand technology and glitches happen, but at the same time, if you're implementing that in a professional setting where it is basically a matter of the difference of winning or losing a match, winning, losing, or drawing in this instance, then you expect that to be 100% concrete and there are going to be no technical glitches whatsoever. You can have 100 people in that goal. It doesn't matter. You would expect that there is going to be some form of clarity when you're using that system. There wasn't. The system fucked it up and Sheffield United were robbed of an additional two points. 
plain and simple. Why do I feel like people have had this conversation all the time, even with uh, here stateside in the NFL, when uh, they initially started the instant replay system, they're like, why can't the replay officials see what the broadcasters see? Because I remember, well, I don't remember because I wasn't alive and neither were you, but this was a uh, playoff game between the Oilers and the Steelers. I think you might know what catch I'm talking about. So I do know the catch you are talking about. Yes. So I believe it is called the Immaculate Reception. No, no, not that one. Oh, not that one? Or, or is it the Monday Night Miracle? No, no, no. It's not that. No, this is like far back in the playoffs. Oilers. Oh, you're talking about this is the playoffs. Oh, oh, oh okay. My apologies. Oilers, Steelers. Um, I forgot the name of the receiver, but he basically caught the ball inbounds. He got like tippy toes inbounds. And the referees were like, no, he didn't catch it. It was like a potentially game-winning touchdown. The referees were like, no, you didn't, you didn't see it. And then you, the uh, TV team, uh, they kept going back and forth, looking at this catch and like, it's in. It's obviously in. Like, how on earth could uh, – why can't they see what we're seeing right now? And this is like before instant replay was a thing. But you could see it on the broadcast. And then the, the Oilers ended up losing that game. I think it was either the AFC Championship game or the AFC uh, Divisional round between the Steelers and the Oilers. This is like Dan Prasterini days back, back then. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous. Also, in the same vein, these guys are human beings. You, you can't just defer to the machines constantly. You have eyes. You can see that like, we're probably going to have to check. Like You really can't just have a little bit of uh, intuition little bit of uh, motivation to say, you know, maybe we should make sure that this ball is actually either over the goal line or not over the goal line, just so we don't make anything, any mistake that can shift the uh, shift the course of the game in a game like soccer, where it's so hard to score goals, unless you're like, you know, one of the best teams in Europe, but even then they still find a, a tough time to score goals. It's a, it's a sport where, Goals are scoring is so far is so hard to come by that every goal is is uh, the magnitude is is increased so much that it's uh, it's so important to get these decisions right, especially when you're a team like Aston Villa, who are looking to be who are looking to stay in the Premier League, and a team like Sheffield United who are looking to possibly play in Europe next season. Well, Aston Villa benefited from the decision; they got they got a point. That could be a huge point for them. Well, still, I mean, yeah. So it goes they benefited either way. From, from, from this. They are, they are on top of the world. They could say, oh, yeah, it's really unfortunate that this decision did not go the correct way. But bottom line is they got a point out of it. So that could – and that could be a point for them. That's the difference between staying up and going down. So – it has a positive effect on them, but really the correct decision should have been that Sheffield should have gotten the three points and it should, it should have been a, a one nil victory for, for Sheffield United. And, and it didn't go that way. And there are more questions for, for VAR. And, and it's very fitting too, that within, within a half of the Premier League being back, that there are, that there is a VAR decision that is just roasted by everybody. <laughs> 
It's so fitting. It's it's just it's 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 too perfect. Man, remember when the biggest problem that Premier League fans had was that VAR is ruining the league? Those were the days. I miss those times when those were the days. The only things we had to worry about were whether or not VAR is going to delegitimize Liverpool's Premier League title. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. But uh, so moving on, unless you're kind of done with your spiel on VAR. Oh, I'm done. We can move. We can move on to uh, the uh, second game of this doubleheader between Man City and Arsenal, the Citizens and the Gunners at the Etihad Stadium. I don't know if you watched the game without crowd noise or with crowd noise, but I think it sounded it sounded a lot better with the pumped in crowd noise than without. Because without, it just sounded like a training, like a scrimmage almost. And I mean, for the first. Up until like 40 minutes to go, it was, or from 40 minutes to go onwards, it did seem more like a scrimmage than an actual game of Premier League football. But how about yeah. this? How about this? Instead of talking about the match, which was which ended up 3-0 to, to City, you could talk about your team, all the things that you noticed, all the good, all the bad, whatever. And then you just let me have the floor. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I'll let you have your moment and then you can let me have mine. Okay. So go ahead. Very interesting team selection from Pep Guardiola. Uh, obviously Leroy Sané was available. So uh, he was sitting in the stands. No longer does he have his uh, dreadlock, his uh, cornrows. He's going full throw again, which is, which is great. But uh, he was left out of the starting 11. Also Sergio Aguero was left out of the starting 11. Um, Eric Garcia was actually given a shot, a shot to start. Very unfortunate what happened to Eric Garcia, honestly, in his uh, collision with Ederson in the uh, 79th or 80th minute of the contest. Hopefully he will, he's not hurt too bad. I mean, it, it just did not look good when it happened. Honestly, it was just a horrible miscommunication where both players went for the ball, but that aside, I mean, this is a great performance by City. You know, they were really doing great with uh, the uh, possession game that they're known for. The defense was pretty solid. Uh, uh, Riyad Mahrez did great to win that penalty and draw that red card from uh, David Luiz, which I'm sure we will talk about soon. And uh, Raheem Sterling also had a phenomenal, phenomenal goal to uh, open up the scoring. And... Uh, it's also, it was kind of interesting that uh, Claudio Bravo was not in the squad at all. It was um, Scott Carson was Ederson's backup. So very, very interesting. Um, otherwise, great performance from City. And yeah, looking forward to the next game. Bird, floor is yours. Thanks. Thanks for that. That was very well said. Um, all right. I don't even know where to, where the fuck I start. Um, the team news comes out that Mikel Arteta has, uh, put together. He has abandoned the usual four, three, two, one formation that he has been accustomed to going with and decides to opt for more of a four, three, three with a, with two central midfielders, which I thought was a bit interesting with no, Ozil in the team. I 
look, I understand that the team is trying to get younger. I, I, I got that, Adam. I got that. But you cannot tell me that there are 20 players at Arsenal Football Club right now in 2020 that are better than Mesut Ozil. You cannot convince me that there are 20 players, 18 outfield players, because you have to have two goaltenders, one starting, one reserve goaltender, so 18 outfield players. You cannot convince me that there are 18 outfield players that are better than Mesut Ozil. You want to have them on the bench? Fine. But not even in the team? I feel like when I was watching this match, I felt like we had Unai Emery as our fucking manager, not Mikel Arteta. It was the same shit. It was the same garbage. And you know what? Fair play to the lads. They had a pretty, pretty solid start for 25 minutes. It, it looked okay. I was saying to myself, all right, maybe we can, maybe we can nick a draw here. Maybe, maybe we can nick a point, maybe, because City weren't looking too great. And we were having some chances, not a lot. Our defensive shape was, was fine. And then Pablo Marie goes down. And it's a calf ankle problem. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is. Because they're on the touchline. <sighs> there he is. David Luiz. Cancer himself. The mistake waiting to happen. And he jogs on the pitch, smiling, happy as can be, having a jolly grand old day. I can tell you what things for sure. He had murder on his mind. That is for sure. Because the second David Luis comes on the pitch, match is over. Match is over. City start, you know, getting into their, their ebbs and flows. De Bruyne starts just playing, you know, outside of the boot fucking passes. They're flicking the ball around. They're having a jolly old time. And then right before halftime, right before we're going in at nil-nil, and I'm saying to myself, wow, that was a great fucking half. We're actually doing okay. David Luiz can't clear a simple fucking clearance. And it goes right to Raheem Sterling, who takes it on a half volley and blasts it past Bernardino, who, by the way, God bless him, because how he's doing what he was able to do, he was the man of the match from both sides. There was not a better player on that pitch today than Bern Leno, and he gave up three freaking goals. He deserves so much better than this team. He deserves so much better. And then the second half was just uh, was just a disaster. Right off, right off, right out of the gate, uh, David Luiz springs down uh, Riyad Mahrez. I was going to say Raheem Sterling, uh, Riyad Mahrez in the in the box, and then Kevin De Bruyne. Slots it in for 2-0, and then Phil Foden, 90th minute when they went down 10 men, um, blasted it in for 3-0. And um, it's not even worth recapping the match because the match is not even worth talking about. I feel like I feel like we've seen the last of David Luiz in an Arsenal shirt. I feel like if Mikel Arteta is right about what he's trying to get out, which is you need to produce in order to stay on the pitch. You need to give it your all. If you're going to put on the shirt, then David Luiz is done. 
it's plain and simple. He actually he actually uh, released his first comments after the mayor that he had, um, and he said, "quote It's not the team's fault; it's my fault." So he's owning up to it. But we've just seen this so many times before from David Luiz, not just from not just with Arsenal, but with PSG, with Chelsea. We've just with seen this Brazil. Before. with Brazil. I feel like I feel like the two shining moments that he's had maybe in his career was a free kick versus Liverpool and a goal line clearance versus Spain. That's about it. And um, I'm not I can go after the team selection. I mean that's just a little it's a little cheap of me to do. Because if you're going to go for a 4-3-3, you could easily go with Aubameyang on the left, Lacazette in the middle, and Nicola Pepe on the right. And that's your, that's your three up front. And then if you want to play, if you want to play the kids in the middle, you, you, you can. Um, but I just felt like Mikel Arteta was trying to do something that just clearly wasn't going to work. And at the at the end of the day, the team selection was good if you're trying to play a more defensive sort of game, which is what they were trying to do. Because I think that Mikel Arteta realized that this Arsenal team is just not going to be on the level of what City are. I think that's that's very obvious. But playing went out the window when David Luiz stepped on the pitch and was able to just fuck it all up. And I really can't wait to see what Mikel Arteta's reasoning is for not putting Ozil on the 20. I really am because I, I'm it, it, it again. It feels like Unai Emery all over again that the board, they want to control who plays for the team and who doesn't. And it's very, very clear that they do not want Mesut Ozil on the team. And I, I don't understand why I really don't. Yep. Me neither. I mean, I feel like, when David Luiz went in to the game, he was just like, you know what? I don't actually want to play this game. So I'm going to just fuck up and then get sent off as soon as I possibly can. Cause it seemed like it was like 20 minutes that he was on the, on the pitch for. And David Luiz said he wants to stay at Arsenal because Mikel Arteta wants him there next year. <laughs> you know what he can do, Adam? You know what he can do? He can fuck right off. Fuck him. God. I just fucking disgrace. Just like why? Chelsea is like laughing to the bank right now. Whoever sanctioned that deal that paid him in all in all, if you include fees, transfer fees, you include contract bonuses, whatever. It came out to 24 million. 24 million pounds. Whoever sanctioned that to pay David Luiz 24 million pounds should be fired immediately because they represent the problems that plague this football club. Plain and simple. I can't wait for the season to end. I, I really can't wait. God, the funny thing is, I think last episode, you're like, how long is it going to take before I say fuck this season? And it just literally took you a half of football. Yep. Arsenal's back. Arsenal's back. See, welcome to being a Jets fan. This is what being a Jets fan is like. This is what being a Knicks fan is like. And you know it's bad when I can't even blame Kroenke. I can't even blame him. 
It's the team. The team is shit. The team is absolute shit. They are. And, and Adam, Adam, can you explain this to me? Can you explain one thing to me? Because I'm still trying to figure this out myself. And I love the guy. I, I really, really love the guy. And I, I would, I would have, I would have his children. I really would. How the hell do Arsenal expect Pierre Emerick Aubameyang to sign a new contract? Can you explain this to me? I don't know. I can't explain that to you. Pierre Aubameyang is like, I should have stayed at Dortmund. This is terrible. Well, you you know the story that uh, Aubameyang was supposed to sign for Man City. Uh, that would have been nice. Can you imagine? But, but Pep, Pep Guardiola had a last second U-turn and said no. But why? Because they because. Uh, Pep Guardiola was afraid that he was too, he was too much of a partier, was too flashy, and didn't didn't sign. And yet we we employed Kevin De Bruyne and it Raheem was, Sterling. It was, it was the summer before Aubameyang signed uh, with Arsenal in January. It was it was uh, before Wenger's uh, last season. Well, I mean, he probably wouldn't. I don't know. That would have been tough, though. So you'd have to keep either – if you didn't want to play with two strikers, you'd have to either keep Aubameyang or – Or you do what Arsenal did. You just, you just play Aubameyang on the wing. Well, then you have Sterling and Sané also. Well, you I don't think they had Sané at that point. doesn't matter. It's no, Man yes, they City. did. It's Man City. It's Man City. Well, if they, they signed def- Aubameyang – They defy all logic. I mean, if they were – if they signed Aubameyang, they probably wouldn't have signed Mares. So that kind of worked out. That would have worked out. I'd rather yeah. have – Aubameyang over Riyad Mahrez. I think there. I think every team, every team in the Premier League would rather have Aubameyang, with maybe with the exception of Liverpool, when it comes to Mane or Salah. I think you could say that every other team in the league would rather have Aubameyang over player X. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Now that the venting is over, let's yeah. move on to yeah. our. Fantasy football hot takes, and it's good. I'm only one and a half drinks in. So, oh, geez, maybe I should have brought something to drink. You should have. So, uh, we're gonna be doing five hot takes piece for yes. each of us. Yes, and it's not like restricted by position or anything. It's just basically rattling off hot takes. That's right, rattling off hot takes. Bird, would you like your first? <sighs> All right, I'll go first. What the hell? Um, I'm trying to think about which one that I have in my head do I want to go with first. I will say, I will say Miles Sanders will finish in the top five in PPR scoring next year. Miles Sanders? Miles Sanders, that is correct. PPR scoring for everybody. Or no, just for running backs. backs. Okay. Yes. Top five. Top five for running backs. He'll finish in the top five. That includes McCaffrey, includes Barkley, that includes Zeke, that includes Derrick Henry, that includes Dalvin Cook, that includes Alvin Kamara, that includes Joe Mixon, that includes Nick Chubb. I'm saying that Miles Sanders will be in that elite running back group next year and will finish in the top five. Will will be a top five running back next year in PPR score. Wow, that that is a hot take. That is definitely a hot take. 
So do you want to give us a little reasoning? Oh, you want, you want me to give a soliloquy? You've already done, you've already done two. Sure. I'll give you another one. What the hell? I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to say no to uh, talking some more. Um, I think really what it comes down to is the Eagles are going to realize that Miles Sanders is the guy. They should be making him the legitimate bell cow running back in Philadelphia. I understand Boston Scott had a nice run towards the end of the season last year, but Boston Scott is no starting number one running back in the NFL. Miles Sanders is, and I think it also comes down to the Eagles have not really improved their receiving core much. There are still a lot of unproven pieces along with the health question marks that always do surround Alshon Jeffrey. Will Deshaun Jackson be 100%? You know, what is the deal with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Will he Will he, he be 100%? Is Greg Ward going to be the superstar receiver that maybe that some people thought he was going to be that were from the city of brotherly love last season? Bottom line, it's not going to happen. You have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard as the two probably most consistent passing options in that offense. You need someone that's going to be able to give you a whole other dimension for what the Eagles offense is going to be to take pressure off of Carson Wentz as well. And that's what Miles Sanders is. He can be that guy. I believe he will be that guy. And that's why I have him finishing as a top five running back there, Mr. Gaster, in PPR scoring. Well, that's pretty good. That's uh, it's a solid hot take. I, yep. I was. I'm probably going to be starting on the on the colder end of the spectrum. Oh boy, mine is uh, Lamar Jackson will have a higher average draft position than Patrick Mahomes. It's not it's that not hot. hot. It's not that yeah, hot not of that a take. Hot. Not that hot. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just going to happen because Madden. I think is mainly the reason why that that's going to happen just because people, I mean, we saw it in our mock draft that uh, he was drafted above Patrick Mahomes. And I think people are going to say that he has more value on both sides of the uh, quarterback coin talking about passing and rushing than Patrick Mahomes, which I don't really necessarily agree with. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a higher ADP than Patrick Mahomes. But that's not that bold of a prediction. That's not like Miles Sanders finishing the top five of running backs. Bold. No, that's not, that's, not, that's not that bold. It's not that bold. Um, so do you want to give another one you want, or do you want me to, uh, to give? Sure. Let's do it. This is sort of snake. This is, this is like a Mount Rushmore plus, plus one. Yeah. So – Mine is, I'll give a hotter one. Sam Darnold will finish the 2020 season as a borderline top 15, top 20 quarterback. Top 20 I can get behind. I think he's going to be like 16 or 17. Top 20 I can get behind. 15, 15 is bold. 15. 15 is bold. 15. He'll be a top, you know what? Top 15. I'm just, I'm backspacing it right now. Because this is a show for the bold. Oh, Interesting. I hope, I hope this keyboard hits picked up on my microphone, but I'm sure they did. Yeah, top fifteen quarterback. Very interesting. I mean, see, I was going to save my quarterback bold take for for a little bit later, but you kind of inspired me to give it right now. Okay. 
Joe Burrow will be a top 15 quarterback. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow in year one will be a top 15 quarterback. I mean, I like what the what Cincinnati offense has to really offer. I think Joe Mixon is a ever-present, stable um, anchor for that offense. Uh, what he does in the running game, along with the passing game as well. I think Joe Mixon has been one of the more underrated pass-catching running backs in the league over the last couple of seasons. I think now he just really needs a guy that is going to go in there and give him those reps when trying to catch the ball. And we saw what Joe Burrow did when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the starting running back for LSU last season. And now that Joe Burrow is going with Cincinnati, going to Cincinnati, I believe that he is going to give Joe Mixon those necessary reps that are needed for him to really produce strong value in PPR, Joe Mixon. But then where does Burrow's value come into play? You look at who he's throwing the ball to. If A.J. Green is healthy, A.J. Green, we've seen him be a 1,200-yard receiver in the past. He can be that guy again. Tyler Boyd, same sort, same sort of situation. A.J. Green is back there. We've seen Tyler Boyd be an absolutely elite number two wide receiver in this league. And then, of course, John Ross, who a lot of people have sort of soured on. I do kind of like him as a, as a deep sort of sleeper for this year. You have to remember the 150-yard, two-touchdown performance that he had last season, just last season, in Seattle against the Seahawks, where he could show that his the talent for John Ross, it's still there. It's still there. He just needs a consistent presence at quarterback that will get him the ball. And we have seen Joe Burrow, especially this past season at LSU, he likes those fast receivers where he can really just sling it and air it out. And John Ross can, in fact, be that guy. I like John Ross a lot as a sort of deep sleeper that you can get in the late rounds of drafts this year. But same thing with Joe Burrow. Now, the real question is, where would I take Joe Burrow? That's a very good question because I really don't know where people value him. I know that these number one picks do get very overvalued. We saw it two years ago with Baker Mayfield, and we saw it last year with Kyler Murray. I think Joe Burrow, for me, I'm good with taking him in sort of the 11th or the 12th round. I think that's kind of like where I would be okay with taking him. Um, but I would need a starter to – I would need another quarterback to couple with Joe Burrow if I'm going to go and pick him. Okay. Well, actually, it's funny. I don't think I really uh, said anything about why Sam Donald, my Sam Donald take. So if you wanted me to uh, – Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you, if you want, if you want to uh, – if you want to elaborate on Sam Darnold, not for your rebuttal, go ahead. So, yeah, Sam Darnold, I think he, the, the team around him has certainly improved. He has a refurbished offensive line, courtesy of Joe Douglas. Uh, I mean, the coach is still there, which is kind of going to be a hindrance to his development. But you saw in flashes of his first two years in the NFL that he has the potential to be that kind of guy, like a top 15 uh, fantasy quarterback he has had incredible games you know like the one the game he had against the Raiders the game he had against Washington uh, last year um, the game he had against Houston uh, two years ago even though they lost that game and not only does he have an improved offensive line but he also has uh, more weapons in Rashad Perriman uh, Denzel Mims he's getting his he's getting two of his tight ends back or he has Ryan Griffin at tight end, and he's getting Chris Herndon back. Jameson Crowder, of course, 
is a big piece in that Jets offense. And of course, Le'Veon Bell. So Sam Darnold has a lot more pieces around him starting off, uh, starting off this year than he had last year. And I think that that's going to propel him to be a, a top 15 quarterback. So you're saying that Adam Gaze is going to give Sam Darnold the keys to actually make Le'Veon Bell sort of productive? Yes, I really hope so. I really hope they're just not going to have Le'Veon Bell. They're just not going to have constant sweeps, halfback sweeps to the right, because I swear if Adam Gaze, (laughs) I just. uh, We'll see how much Adam Gaze has learned. I really uh, don't even, I don't even want to. So I'm on, I'm on my third. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few that I can give. Um, I'm going to say for my third, I will go with – I'll go with Evan Ingram will be a bust. That's a and good I, think it, I think it all comes down to – you look at where he's being taken. He's being taken right now as the fifth tight end off the board. And – I just don't view Evan Ingram as a guy that I can trust week in, week out, given his injury history that has plagued him throughout his career. And he's running out of chances really to show that he can be a productive number one tight end in this league. When he plays, he's been very good for the Giants. No doubt about it. But it's been when he has played. That is the biggest issue that has surrounded Evan Ingram is he just hasn't been on the field much. And if you're going to draft him as a number five tight end coming off the board, you're talking around the round six, round seven range. You need to make sure that he is going to be healthy if you're going to take him in that spot. And I'm just not very comfortable with doing it. I'd rather have Noah Fant over him quite easily. I would rather have Hunter Henry over him. I would rather have Austin Hooper over him, who Austin Hooper now is in a pretty tricky situation uh, in Cleveland, but all signs are pointing towards that Cleveland wants to run more two tight end sets. So that will help Austin Hooper stay on the field more and get more reps in the passing game. So I don't have Austin Hooper over, over Evan Ingram. So he's probably looking more for me. He's probably looking at like a top 10 tight end. And if he's going round six, round seven, it's just not a risk that I'm willing to take. And anybody who's willing to do that is probably going to end up being a little disappointed in Evan Ingram. I agree wholeheartedly. I, there are many, many tight ends that I would have. Not, I mean, not too many, but there are, there are many tight ends I would have over Evan Ingram. All the names I said, I think you'd rather have. Yeah. And plus Darren Waller as well. Yep, Darren Waller too. Yep. Yeah, I, I didn't mention Darren Waller because I think because Darren Waller right now he's the fourth tight end going off the board. Oh, why? I assume, I figured that that's why you didn't mention. I was like, yes. Bird loves Darren Waller. How can I he love not? Darren Waller this year? Yes, but yeah, uh, if, honestly, if I could if I I mean I can give you a, a bonus one right now if you mm-hmm. really want me to. Uh, Darren Waller will finish in the top three. Ooh, I okay. Here, let me let me follow up with that. Go who, ahead. Who does he replace in the top three? Uh, Zach Ertz. I can, you know what? I can actually get behind that. I'm glad we, I'm, there not, there haven't been too many uh, spicy debates. It's been like two, it's been two episodes that we've agreed on things. What the hell? I can't believe it. I can't our, believe it. Our listenership is going to go down the tubes because now we're starting to agree on things. We're starting to agree. Hey, Adam, next take, I'll disagree with it. Just, just because. 
Okay. But you get the viewership out. I'm disagreeing. Okay. I'm I'm glad we I'm glad we agree on that take, Adam, because I think that's a um, ironically. That's that's one. Yeah, ironically, that's one. I think that a lot of people. Um, Zach Ertz is falling in drafts, so I think that that is one um, that people are sort of sort of projecting that maybe maybe Zach Ertz is is not going to be, you know, the guy that we're used to. I mean, maybe it comes down to the fact that Dallas Goddard will have another year under his belt, and maybe he'll take some tight end targets away from Zach Ertz. But uh, Darren Waller right now, he he's the number one option in that offense. It's plain and simple. Yeah, I know Josh Jacobs is there. I know that they just drafted Henry Ruggs. But Derek Carr loves his tight ends. He made Jared Cook a star. And now he's doing the same thing with Darren Waller. So you can say what you want about Derek Carr and the kind of quarterback that he is, but the guy just makes tight end stars. And that's what we're going to potentially be seeing out of Darren Waller. So uh, that's why I have him as top three tight ends. All right. Well, I think this next take – I'm going to uh, say, and you're probably not even going to need to bother with your previous decree because you'll probably just disagree with it anyway. Okay. It is Derrick Henry will finish closer to the top 15 than the top 10. No, I agree with that. What? I agree with that one. Oh, well, that's just disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel really let down right now. I hate to disappoint you like this. But yeah. that one I agree with. That's not the hottest take I have, but still, I really thought you'd be like, no, how could you say something like that? No, I I, I like that take. I think Derrick Henry is going to fall off a cliff. I think he's, I, I agree with you. I think he's being taken way too high. I mean, not only that, he's going to be taken way too high. And he, he's a borderline first round pick right now. Yeah. He, Derrick Henry is go is being Earl Campbell right now, which is actually a fitting reference considering the team that he plays for. But he he's being Earl Campbell. He's being run into the ground. I guess you want to be more contemporary. He's being Eddie George right now. Being Eddie George. <laughs> Where, I mean, running backs just don't do this anymore. The like twenty five carries per game. You can't like running backs in this day and age. Even if you're superhuman like Derrick Henry is. You can't survive a full season going 25 carries per game with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill who, who relies so heavily on the running game. There has to be a breaking point for for Derrick Henry. And, it, and I mean, it pains me to say it because he's a good player. But if the Titans just keep abusing him like this and you and just riding it, riding to the wheels fall off, to his legs fall off, then it, it's not going to be a good time for anybody involved. And Derrick Henry's going to burn out in a couple of years. I can give you another, another hot take, another bonus one that can get a piggyback off of your Derrick Henry take. If you'd like mm-hmm. uh, AJ Brown will not be a top 20 wide receiver. Mm. And he's being drafted as one right now. Not be a top 20 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's being drafted in the 15 to 20 range. I, and I'm saying that he will not be a top 20 wide receiver. I kind of agree with you on that one too. Okay. We're we're agreeing on all fronts. Yeah. Okay, what about this one? Okay. T.Y. Hilton will be a top 15 receiver again by season's end. Yowie, wowie. Yep. You trust Philip Rivers that much, huh? I do enjoy Philip Rivers. I Phillip, can see that. Philip Rivers knows how to find the open wide receiver. 
no like no other like no other quarterback well i mean there are a couple others but philip rivers he he's he's made a star out of keenan allen um i mean the Chargers really haven't had too many number one wide receivers until keenan allen but ty hilton what he needed is a very solid quarterback to uh, make turn him back into a star. I mean, Jacoby Brissett is a, is a great, is a solid quarterback, but he's no Philip Rivers. And I think Philip Rivers in a, in Indianapolis, I think he has a better team around him than he had when in his last year in Los Angeles with uh, with the running game, the offensive line, and the wide receivers, and the uh, tight ends, tight end now because Eric Ebron is gone but yeah I think that uh, with a number one wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton that the same kind as he had in Los Angeles Philip Rivers is going to have a uh, great season and it's going to translate over to T.Y. Hilton interesting yeah very 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 interesting there Mr. Castor Okay, I have my fourth. I'm deciding how hot I want to be for these last two. Because I have some hot ones. I have some hot ones. Unfortunately, I'm out of ammo. Because I actually used my two. Because we we were doing like a one-upmanship thing, and I used like two of my hotter takes. This this might be the hottest take of all. Because it surrounds potentially the hottest team in the National Football League right now. Are you going to make me want to punch my TV? No. Okay. Not at all. Might actually be the complete opposite. Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, one of the two, will not be a top 10 receiver this year in PPR. I agree. That's not even that Jesus hot. Christ. It's because I hate it's because I hate Tom Brady. It's because Tom well, here's the thing. Tom Brady doesn't throw deep passes. He just doesn't. God. His entire life is is short passes. That is how he has made his career on five-yard dink and dunks. I mean, you're basically depending on Yak for both Mike Evans and Chris Goblin if they're going to have top 10 wide receiver seasons in fantasy football because it's just not going to happen. And Tom Brady also is going to, in the red zone, I think he's going to throw to Gronk a lot because they they have that uh, rapport there. I could tell you, I, I I do like Godwin more than I like Evans. I never thought I'd say that. I disagree. I like Mike Evans more than Chris Godwin. Really? Yeah. Even though Chris Godwin did get more of the target share last year. All right. So would you like to make a little friendly wager? Sure. I'll say Chris Godwin has more PPR points this upcoming season than Mike Evans. Okay. What are we putting on the line? Well, we can't bet lunch. Uh, I'll bet you if we're still doing the podcast at the end at the end of the season, I will say two weeks of editing. Okay, that's fine. You're on. Two You're weeks on. of editing. You're on. Uh, and my last one might be my boldest one of all. But what kind of bold prediction would this be if I did not include America's team? The best team in the land. 
God's favorite team. See, this is the this is the one. This is the one that makes me want to punch my TV. This, this is, is the one. This is the one. Yes. I swear to God, if you, if you're gonna say what I think you're gonna say, what do you think I'm gonna say? Are you gonna say that Dak Prescott's gonna be the best quarterback in fantasy or something like that? Oh my god. Maybe. Oh my god. Dak Prescott. Pending he plays. This is all pending that Dak Prescott plays. All pending, but I think he will. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott finishes as the number one quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott finishes as the number one running back. And Amari Cooper finishes as the number one receiver. I'll give you one of those. I won't tell you which. No, I'm kidding. It's Ezekiel. I'll give you Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. But the other two, I don't know. I don't think Amari Cooper definitely no. Why not? Because he is more. Dak Prescott has more weapons to throw to. That's that might be true. That might be true. But Amari Cooper still plays the Eagles twice a year, correct? Oh yeah, he does. and he plays the Redskins twice a year. Correct? Yes, he does. He could have five touchdowns in those games put together. At least five touchdowns. I so think you, I think I think Amari Cooper, if you want to get me get really, really bold with Amari. I think last year I predicted that Amari Cooper would be a fifteen hundred yard receiver. Did I, did I say that last year? I think so. Okay. All right. I'll say that Amari Cooper is a 1,300-yard receiver and has 10-plus touchdowns this year. That'd be another – it's an add-on to the bold prediction. 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. You're just uh, – you're you're hitting on 17 here, Bird. That's what you're doing. I'm digging my own grave. I don't care. You, you, are, you are hitting on 17 is what you're doing. I'm shitting on the Giants and I'm talking up my football team. Oh, and another bold prediction, Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Well, that's a, that's not a sh- shock that you would make that prediction. Of course, we're in the Super Bowl this year. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Yeah, Cowboys, Jets, Super Bowl. We drafted C.D. Lamb. We're going to the Super Bowl. Can you imagine if the Jets and Cowboys play each other in the Super Bowl? We wouldn't talk to each other for a month. That's true. No matter what happens, we won't talk no to each other. No matter what happens, we would not talk to each other for a month. That's true. No podcast. No new podcast. No new podcast for a month. Or no, no. We would do podcasts, but you record your bit at once. And then whatever you say, I would have to work around it and provide my own my own voice. We like divorced parents. We like divorced parents. Yes, our podcast. The uh, visitation rights for our podcast. So the Super Bowl happened. Bird, what do you think of the game? I think it was a great game, Adam. The two teams played really well. And it was a great spectacle for all to follow. Uh, did you enjoy, I, did you did you enjoy my uh, my uh, what you call it my uh, radio for dummies impression? Yeah, it's pretty. It's gonna be hard to do a podcast where it's a it's only uh, one sided, and you have to ask the person a question. You don't even know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> but uh, all right, so my last take is not going to be as hot as that. Okay. It's going to be a bit normal. 
All right. Jarvis, La- Jarvis Landry will yet again finish higher in points than Odo Beckham Jr. I, I, yeah, it's not a hot take. I think every one of your takes I, I agree with. Yeah. No, not the T.Y. Hilton one. The, T- okay. the T.Y. Hilton one I, I, didn't, I didn't agree with necessarily. But that one, that one I can get behind. Yeah, 100%. Crazy thing is, you know, I've been looking at, like, looking at all the rankings, researching for this. Odo Beckham Jr. is ranked so much higher than Jarvis Landry, and it just doesn't makes make no sense to me. Just makes no sense to me. No, no. I think I think if you look at where Jarvis Landry's going, where's he go? Where, where's he going, Adam? When you saw him round six, something I didn't see round I didn't, five, round six, something like that. I didn't like look at ADP, but he was in like well, the sixties of like overall rankings. Yes, yeah, so, so let's 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 say he's going round six. Yeah, he's going round six. I'd rather have Jarvis Landry in round six than Odell Beckham in round three, where he's going. Oh, yeah. Easily. 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 I think Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry in round six is outstanding value. It really, really is. And if you can get that, God bless. Yeah. Baker Mayfield loved Jarvis Landry last year. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. was like, oh, here's like two catches. And Jarvis Landry is like, I'm going to catch 15. Yeah, and that's basically how every every Browns game went. I, I could I could piggyback off of that one too. I'll, I'll give your Jets some credit. Okay, uh, I'd rather have Odell. I'd rather have uh, Jamison Crowder in round eleven than Odell Beckham in round three. Oh, definitely. I 100%. agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd rather have Darius Slayton round twelve than Odell Beckham round three. Easy, easy. But I, I, I just want to have Odell Beckham in my lineup for when he plays the Giants and goes and has seven catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. And then he's going to make another catch. Just so all the, just so all the Giants fans can be like, oh, it's Odell. It's Odell. Look at him. I miss him. Or, or something along the lines of, oh, that's Odell. He sucks. He sucks. I'm so happy we traded him. I'm so, so, so happy. And then seven for 115, two touchdowns. Fuck Odell. Fuck. Fuck. I think I've ever heard a Giants fan say, I'm happy we traded Odell Beckham Jr. I'll get one on the podcast. I haven't let, well, I don't live with one. Well, actually, I know I do, a few. I do live with one, but my dad doesn't really have too many hot takes. I, I know a few that will, uh, that will go on record and say that they're happy that Odell Beckham is on of the Giants. Really? Yeah. That's like they're, they're 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 not a better team without Odell, but Odell is not Odell without the Giants. So it was kind of like a lose lose for both of them. That's like me saying in 2013, I'm happy that the Jets traded Darrell Rivas. Yeah, kind of. I would never. I don't. Even, I definitely did not say that. I don't think I did. I would. Dan, Daniel Daniel Jones would be a much better quarterback uh, if he had Odell. I would say so. Daniel Jones would be a top ten quarterback with Odell Beckham Jr. Be a top five quarterback for Odell Beckham Jr. Top five quarterback for Odell. Wow, that's a, that's a bold take. Yeah, it's a bold take. Replace one of not, them with not, the other. Not yeah. as good as Dak Prescott, though. Apparently not. No, he's good. Dak is a great guy. Dak will be on the cover of Madden next year, and then he's going to break his leg. Hey, the, the Madden curse is dead. I mean, yeah, sort of. Anyway. You have any final thoughts? It's kind of kind of a little disappointing that we kind of agree with most of most of our takes, but uh, still, it was pretty interesting. 
I'm very interested to see or uh, hear. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how our listeners react to our hot takes. And uh, we just, just set up an email just so our listeners can send us their hot takes because that would be a fun episode where we can just read listener hot takes. That is just a fantabulous idea. Yeah, because that would, that would be the best. Because there's no there's nothing more fun than listening to people be bold about things about things that will probably not happen. I'll give you my final thoughts if you okay. if you would like. If you would mm-hmm. like. Uh, this is actually perfectly said. This is from my friend uh, James at Gunnerblog on Twitter. Go follow him. Did you literally just ask him about this photobacking no. thing? No, 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 no. Oh. no. No, this is about uh, this is about an earlier topic that we discussed. Mm-hmm. Quote: I'm not too angry at David Luiz. He's just being David Luiz. It is who he has always been. But Arsenal absolutely knew that when they signed him. And yet, they still did. Great podcast, Adam. Great podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The name is just the Basement Talk Podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Send us leave a com- if you can actually leave a comment where on whatever platform you're using. Leave us a comment on your hot takes because we are very interested in listening to them. And maybe next episode, we might end up doing that thing that I said where we will be uh, reading off hot takes from our listeners on the air. So maybe, maybe do that. Maybe it'll happen. So yeah, maybe not. Who knows? Sure. Either way, from my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk podcast. Up the Arsenal. Bye-bye.